Something that just frightened me is that in digging in Wikipedia, something came up and it's called Philosophical Zombie. <laughs> uh oh. Okay. <laughs> philosophical Zombie. It's in Wikipedia. You know it's true. It must yeah. be true. They check. Everyone, leave your microphones on, and we will now pause for 30 seconds. 30 seconds later. And we're back. The longest oh 30 seconds ever. That was almost quite painful. <laughs> it was. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, it's hard to be quiet when you're... It's like, don't move. No, you <laughs> might make noise. They can catch you if they hear you. No. The Skype demons are waiting for you. You crawl no. out of the microphone. Welcome to Crucible of Realms. I'm Jim. I'm John. And I'm Kent. And today, in the fourth seat, our guest is Eric. Say hello, Eric. Hello, Eric. That's probably never been done before. Never. Absolutely <laughs> never. Actually, on this show, I don't think it has. Well, hey, I'm glad to kind of smack the uh, bow of the boat with the champagne bottle then. Since folks will not have heard you before, tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah, well, let's see. There's really not a whole lot to say about myself. I'm just a simple person, a self-proclaimed hermit. I enjoy hoveling in my little house with my pets and family, and uh, I enjoy a game or two. And, you know, if it includes Jim, then that makes it all the much better. Um, (laughs) I'm a professional web programmer slash DBA, and uh, that's that's me in a nutshell. (laughs) Strangely enough, we have no feedback, so we don't have to worry about that right now. Talk to us, people. <laughs> yes, but if you like, you can send us feedback, and it will make us happy. We will read it. What kind of world do we want to build tonight? Eric, as you're our guest, do you have any particular thoughts you'd like to start us off with? Preferences? Well, I, I have been kind of... Well, as you know, Jim, I've been trying to read the Dresden Files role-playing game. Ah, uh, yes. That world is interesting because it's uh, kind of a model today, but with the ignorance of man not knowing what was really behind the veil of <laughs> of existence. So what are you saying? You want to do something that's kind of like an urban fantasy thing? Urban fantasy sounds interesting. Also, <laughs> just in perusing some topics that I've, I've seen popping up in different forums. Someone started talking about uh, King Arthur with a little bit of a Cthulhu mixture, which is kind of interesting. It was oh, yeah? a, an RPG.net post. <laughs> oh, okay. So you want to do something that maybe is somewhere between a uh, kind of a mythic thing and a slightly horror-tinged thing in present day? Is that kind of what I'm sensing here? That kind of uh, really sums it up, I suppose. <laughs> cool. Okay. What do you guys think? So yep. are you after, are we talking about the Arthurians returned, or or is this something, just that idea, and we're mashing it up into a, a modern Cthulhu-esque world? That in and of itself is a, a very interesting twist, you might say. Uh, the return of Arthurian legend in nowadays times, where Cthulhu has started to present itself to the world. Isn't that the whole Arthurian, you know, till their what is yeah. it, the thing in on, in Avalon until England's greatest need? N- yeah, in his darkest hour, or something like that. Yeah, actually, that does make kind of sense. So, I actually, that's this sounds like something we can play with. Do we want to play with something Lovecraftian specifically, or do we want to go? With something else horrific. Something else horrific probably would be good. So if we have, say, a thing with elements of Arthurian legend coming into play or reawakening, and then we're casting them against a horrific thing, what kind of horrific thing might we want to cast it against? If we're going to do Arthurian legend, are we going to bring back a, I don't know, are we going to have a Grendel or a... Grendel was Beowulf's bad guy, of course. Yeah, as I was say. Well, that's, I think part of the whole point here is actually taking two distinct legends and sure. kind of ramming them into each other and seeing what horrifying thing gets created. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm all for that. I, I have no issue with that either. Mm-hmm. Now, Arthurian and Beowulf are kind of close together. We could do it if we want to, but I don't know, it might be cool to do something further afield. So what, what kind of threat, assuming that Arthur is circling around the British Empire... 
what's what's a threat to England that would trigger the return? Now that's another question. Do we want to just leave it at England, or do we want to do this as a big world thing? Or, well, well, yeah, yeah. What scale do we want this on? The way I uh, see it is wherever the empire expanded to. So maybe the knights are popping up in all the old colonies too. That's not a bad idea. That is an interesting idea. British Empire was biggest during the Victorian era, wasn't it? Or am I just yeah, probably yeah. That? I mean. Yeah, that's when they said that the sun never set on the British Empire. So, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I I would think that that we would find Arthur himself somehow in England itself. Oh, yeah. But the knights, I could see the knights being reborn, reincarnated. I don't know what you want to call it. Reincarnation might be interesting because we can then create (laughs) new things. It's an interesting thought. Maybe if it's even... Everyone comes back in kind of different forms. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, I could see like, some of the knights being women. I just had this strange thought about Merlin being a computer program. But, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah, you know what I always <laughs> liked? And this is something out of a, a, a comic book. But it, it falls into the legend that Merlin was aging backwards. Yes. Through time. And so by now, he's really young. Maybe he's like a 10-year-old with all of Merlin's... Or he maybe, doesn't have much longer, then. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know. He must fulfill destiny <laughs> before, well, actually, before I'm in diapers. You know, if we go that way, then uh, having Merlin as being very young, setting his age tells us when the apocalypse is. Well, but does he age at the same long. rate, obviously? That's a good question. Oh, yeah. I have a map of the British Empire pulled up, uh, and uh, well, there's a lot. I was going to say, oh, yeah. on the uh, computer aspect, if for some reason in my brain, I, I got like a vision of Knight Rider, like the kit car is broken. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean... It's an interesting hmm. question, because once he was trapped in the Crystal Cave, what happened to him after that? Did he get back out? Does he have a way of reaching outside of it? Are we going with that? There are like 93,000 different versions of the Arthurian legend, so right, right. Uh, we can play with it as as we wish. Uh, British Empire included Canada, Australia, territory in Antarctica, United Egypt, States. Sudan, Kenya, Tanzania, Rhodesia, all the way basically down to the Horn of Africa, Nigeria, the Gold Coast, then you go further east and you've got India and Burma, then further east, Malaya, British North Borneo, Papua New Guinea... Polynesian Islands. Honestly, we could grab something from anywhere. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Well, say if we have King Arthur returning in some form, then there will probably be a large threat that would represent his opposite number. Well, we need a bad guy for sure. This is true. You could play on the whole, like, the overdone zombie stuff as of recent. We could go zombie. Mix in the mummy and scorpion team. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Nice Egyptian peril. Yeah, Egyptian peril might not be a bad idea. That way it can rival Merlin and, you know, on the magic scale and still have massive armies going after the... You gotta have that balance. (laughs) You gotta have that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say we could play with the idea of mummies or perhaps even a greater force of something. If we wanted to roll zombies into it, we could have a greater force of undead, essentially, as being Mm -hmm. kind of the major thing. And saying one particular mummy, say, is actually the bad guy, quote-unquote. So do you think they have a sarcophagus in the in the British Museum? <laughs> and that's why they hate Britain? It might be. Let's think about when on the timeline we're doing this. We were talking about present day, but is this before the knights and the bad guys, or at least the biggest bad guys, have woken up and it's like there's a race to, say, either cults or groups on both sides to awaken the individuals? Or are these individuals already awake? See, I don't uh, think that the knights necessarily know even who they are. Okay. Uh-huh. Maybe they know. Maybe they know that. Maybe they know. So they're out walking around in the world, but they, they don't have, have no idea their true identities yet. Right. They're mm-hmm. living their lives in their own, you know, in Hong Kong and in Australia and in South Africa, wherever. But they personally don't realize that they are reincarnated knights. Yeah, they just been being reborn and reborn over and over again, just to be awakened for when the thing happens. That is an interesting idea. We could essentially set up the idea that maybe there are groups of individuals out there who are dedicated to these reawakenings, have at least one group on either side, and they are trying to make it happen. And so perhaps this particular mummy's sarcophagus is in the British Museum, and perhaps that's one particular problem. You could have Morgan Le Fay as a mummy. Or at least she's helping the mummy side. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she raised the mummies. That's (laughs) entirely possible. There's a lot to play with. We still need to determine the time frame. So are we saying modern times? 
I'm thinking that was what we're kind of leaning toward, but I would be open if... Well, okay, there is an alternative. Do we want to set this during the time of the British Empire? In other words, do we want to set this, say, during the reign of Queen Victoria, when it actually is the British Empire? I'd sort of like it in modern time myself. Well, me too. I mean, I'm good either way. It it could even be a post-apocalyptic type. Oh, yeah. We could do that. After after a Third World War? Yeah, the aftermath of the the re-rise of humankind. Arthurian legends have been reborn to kind of like help bring back the world, bring humankind back into its proper place in the ladder. That would be interesting in and of itself to do a kind of a post-apocalyptic. travel then would be difficult. It'd still take a lot of time. You wouldn't necessarily have modernized weapons. Although Arthur, like, on a horse in full armor and like an AK-47 at his side, (laughs) is kind of a very interesting thought. And and, and he uses it in jousting. It's got like this big old long jousting (laughs) thing on it. Oh, well, and now I'm seeing it a little bit. So maybe the area we're going to want to play with is then the area of Europe and the northern part of Africa. Um, The reason I mention this is because on one end you have Britain and on the other end you have Egypt. So maybe we can just go by that scale and they're going to meet in the middle somewhere. (laughs) And we can decide what to do with the major areas. Preferably not in the water. Preferably not in the water. I like it being maybe not just Egypt. Maybe there are many well, other no. colonies. It, I was going to say, it would be the Egyptian colonies as it's well. The, it's, it's the, you know, it, well. British just, colonies versus Egyptian colonies. Egypt didn't, their colonies it's, didn't go that far. It's an interesting thought, though, as far as competing empires. Let me just check something real quick. Yeah, Egyptian Empire, not very big. You're still kind of just west of the Red Sea. Now, that's not um, to say that it wasn't powerful. Oh, yes, it definitely was. And but, uh, since the aftermath, it can expand, so... This is true. Well, let me ask you this. In the aftermath, have forces already taken over certain areas? Do we want to say that we have two empires? These are two post-apocalyptic empires. Mm-hmm. One dedicated to Arthurian ideals, and one dedicated to the ideals of Horus, say. Mm-hmm. How are they I know, opposed- this is morphing a lot, but uh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. How are they opposed to each other? That was what I was going for. We do want to be a little bit careful because painting one entire side is totally evil. You know, but, when we're talking about real world stuff. That's, um, that's where I was going with this. That's exactly where I was going with it. I was like, oh yeah, let's pick the Middle East. Let's make them evil. Yes. <laughs> Sounding awful American here. Yes, that's right. Well, I would say then, as has been pointed out, there are good and evil characters uh, on both sides. I know. I, I like the zombie motif. I just want to link up a little bit more into a kind of a broader context with it. Okay. Well, as I see it, if we go this route, we'd have essentially three different power groups. We would have the Northern European kind of Arthurian side of things. We would have the North African Egyptian side of things. And then we would have whatever union of Arthurian and Egyptian bad guys has occurred. Say you were talking about Morgan Le Fay uniting with a mummy who we were going to have to name shortly. (laughs) Um, Maybe forming their own alliance. Maybe you've got an entire area in between that's like a, I'm going to use this word, dead zone. Say maybe they have necropoli. (laughs) So you've got Arthurian territory on the north, Egyptian territory to the south, and dead people in between. Does that sound interesting? The plague-spreading necropolis. Yeah, the triangle power struggle. I like it. (laughs) That'll keep everybody on even keel. What's Arthur, what are their role? What's their roles in this? Are they just heroes? Are they actual, is Arthur a king again? He could be. I like to think that there is some kind of Arthurian movement that has taken place. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether Arthur himself is part of it or not is something we can play with. Right. I think Arthur is uh, awake, so to speak. And probably Merlin, of course. Merlin yeah. was probably never asleep. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, so he has the worst kind of insomnia. <laughs> But maybe he's gotten a couple of the nights together. Maybe like maybe it is a road trip story. It could be. <laughs> Going to get the band together, I'm telling you. Well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I do kind of like the idea of you're still kind of like finding that the nights are around you, but they don't know that they're around you. It's the clock ticking. Yeah, like there's a few that are present, and they're kind of searching to try to, like you said, reunite the band. <laughs> no. 
Now that said, I did like the idea of using the British Empire, but if we're going to go post-apocalyptic, that's really going to limit things in scale. So I think if we're talking about a getting a band together type thing, that we probably should think about limiting them, or at least what we're going to define anyway, uh, limiting it to that area that we were talking well, about. Well, you, you could even, I mean, since we're doing post-apocalyptic, you could even say that maybe land bridges have formed between areas to kind of expand certain empires. We could say that. Well, let's figure out what kind of apocalypse this was. We were talking about World War Three. Do we want to say it was that, or is this another apocalypse that took place? Was this like a magical apocalypse? I think that we're going to have to come up with something in between, where it was probably a physical and a spiritual apocalypse of some sort. Right. Someone draws a meteor to Earth. Well, there's there's <laughs> no, been that whole, like, uh, I don't know if you've seen those things about that, that have been newsworthy as of late, to where the sun is supposed to spew forth a nice large solar flare that could potentially take out a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. So what if we say there was a thing about uh, in Arthurian legend, as I recall, and of course, I'm sure that by now there are Arthurian scholars who may or may not be listening to this who are cringing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Their ears are bleeding right now. Yes. The pain. But uh, I'm sorry, we're making stuff up. It'll heal. It, it will. Really, it will. Really, really, it will. Some people should be lucky that we're just getting names right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Well, there was this idea of... I'd be getting them right, who knows? <laughs> well, there was something about a dragon or the dragon, and I can't remember exactly what it was, the, the dragon's relation to the Arthurian legend, but I was thinking that maybe some, if someone tries to call on Draconic Fury and what they get is a massive solar flare. That makes sense. Well, it makes too much sense. That's the problem. It makes too much sense. No, then, yeah. <laughs> you can't have that. No, no, it certainly sounds good. I mean, Arthur's Flutter. last name is Pendragon. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so that's a possibility. Either that or somebody. Are, are, are we, are we, the Egyptian are, are we going away? Yeah, are we going away from zombies? We're going to have dragons now. And are we getting really close to... Uh, we can have both. What, what's that movie? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh. Movie? With the dragons. Yeah, that, that futuristic movie with the dragon. Oh, not futuristic, but kind of... Something about dragons on another planet? Almost no, present. no, it's on Earth. It's present day on Earth, Earth in, in England. Yeah. Oh, you mean where they discover a dragon yeah. and, and unleashes it, it through Europe? Yeah. Reign of I Fire. Reign of Fire. Uh, oh, okay. I have not seen that. Oh. Uh, that's it. I, I don't think it really needs to be a literal dragon. Yeah. It could just be perceived as, since, since it was a solar flare, that it is envisioned as a dragon breathing fire on the earth. Yeah, this is the weird thing, because we're mixing two mythologies, so I'm now... I'm tempted, if we're going to go smaller scale, then I don't know where the Egypt thing fits in yet. We need to bolt that in here somewhere. Well, that's when we're playing with a mummy as a major bad guy. That's one thing. Like I said, I like the idea of trying to ram two things together. We just need to see where we can connect the bits up. Right. I see that in Egypt it's itself, there's probably a resistance to mummies as well. Or is the mummy an actual pharaoh that's come back somehow? Could be. Oh, we could use the guy who tried to convert them to monotheism and worship the sun god Aton. Ooh, that okay. kind of draws in the whole, like, uh, solar flare idea. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> that would probably work too well. Now it's actually making sense. Yes. <laughs> See, that's what happens. It starts to form. <laughs> and it starts to all make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go okay. with that. Disk of the Sun, originally an aspect of Ra, the deified Aten is a focus of the monolatristic, henotheistic, or monotheistic religion of Atenism, established by Amenhotep IV, who later took the name Akhenaten, in worship and recognition of Aten. Akhenaten. There you go. King Akhenaten. If there are any Akhenaten fans out there, we'd like to apologize in advance. We apologize for villainizing Akhenaten, but, you know, he's there, he's handy. Oh. And he won't mind. He was asking for it. That's right. <laughs> And let's see, great hymn to the Aten. I was about to say, he may actually have some real worshippers these days. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> uh, the following is a work of fiction. <laughs> in no way represents anything actually happening in the world. Please don't come and assassinate us in our sleep. We would very much appreciate that. 
Wow, he's been used a lot in novels, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think he was actually one of the, in the Mummy movies, I think they spoke of him. Which just means, you know, he was probably the antagonist anyway, so. <laughs> Entirely possible. Us presenting him as an antagonist probably is not a horrible thing. I think that it'll be okay. It is a work of fiction, and further research will probably prove that he loved puppies and children. But you know who else loved puppies and children? Hitler. That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, Akhenaten was the Hitler of Egypt. Or he will be in this iteration, <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> and now we will shamelessly rewrite history. So, Akhenaten, Amenhotep IV, casts a ritual to free the sun god Aton. He gets a solar flare, and the earth is baked. Oh, that's why we keep hearing Akhenaten's name, because Nefertiti is his wife, or his queen. Ah. Mm. Maybe Morgan Le Fay is posing as Nefertiti. There you go. That's a possibility, because you know, these guys often have these complexes yes. when they come back. Okay, so we'll say that he and uh, Morgan Le Fay hooked up. I mean, the last thing that I know about her from Arthurian legend is she traps Merlin in the Crystal Cave. Mm -hmm. Then I'm not sure what happens to her. So do we want to say that she woke up fairly early? Woke up, Akhenaten, and he caused the apocalypse? Yeah, he called forth the sun yeah. to uh, destroy all of mankind so that he could start over and rule under the sun gods. Yeah, mm. yeah, I like that. I'm comfortable with that. So okay. how, does that, into the how does that give us the, the zombies or the... Or the mummy. Well, well, then after the apocalypse, they claimed this large area in the middle and started spreading outward. Who's they? The, uh, the zombies? The, yes. Basically, Akhenaten and Morgan Le Fay claimed this area in the middle, wherever it was they happened to be. Mm -hmm. Just to make matters easy on us, why don't we say, just for geographic purposes... That particular mummy was on tour in, say, somewhere like Germany or... Uh, That's the glory of it all, is that with these things being discovered and being transported all over the world, they could really have started anywhere. I mean, you could really do it in any place. And actually, I'm looking now, and uh, so why don't we say that the ritual took place... I'm liking Romania, Bulgaria, possibly Turkey. Okay. Just because that's in the middle, if we want to do it that way. Do we want to put them in the middle, in between the two, or do we want to... Uh... Oh, that, that works. Okay. So that's there right between the Black Sea and the Aegean, and they've got access to the Middle East. So in the middle, we have the Necropoli starting. It's actually kind of funny, because if you think about those areas like that, say Transylvania and whatnot, you have the undead taking over, but it's a different kind of undead. <laughs> right. I also think, uh, just looking at a map, I think Gibraltar, I think the bridge between Africa and Europe is back. Ooh. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, the sea will have boiled, mm -hmm. so we can say goodbye to the Strait of Gibraltar. We can probably say goodbye to the British Channel. Ooh, that would suck. It would, wouldn't it? <laughs> There's that Italy nice... is probably toast. There's that nice tunnel connecting Europe to oh, yes. the mainland. Yes, the, the tunnel. tunnel. Is and it the... exposed in certain places because the water's like, yeah, not there? Yeah, absolutely. I like that. The tunnel is exposed. So we've got the group that say it's they've got a series of necropoli in the middle. This dead government and it's slowly spreading. Who is it led by? Does the strongest mummy or zombie just kind of rise up and say, "Ugh, me"? Well, no, I figured it was uh, that Akhenaten's still in charge there. Probably <gasps> Akhenaten and Morgan Le Fay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he's the he's the one in charge of the necropolis nation essentially. Okay. Um, <laughs> the necro nation. He has um, his mummy generals, which his, his mummy generals command the zombies. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so if we move our lens a bit to the north and to the west, from the United Kingdom area, which probably there's, everything's in ruin right now, but uh, Arthur is awake, Merlin is awake. I like the idea of Arthur being king again. Do we like this idea, or of course, rising yeah. to power with his chancellor, you know, Merlin? Now, uh, now are we still going with the ten-year-old Merlin, or are we going with the much more aged Merlin? See, I don't mind the idea of Merlin aging backward. I like the thought of maybe that he's younger than he is traditionally depicted at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that I'd want him to be ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was just throwing that out there. T ten was a good age when he didn't know what he was and what he could do. Yeah, but yeah I think having a 20s or 30s-year-old Merlin... Yeah, I like that. 28. 
the good middle area. So yeah, I like the idea of him being considered kind of a young guy. Yep. Um, who's And actually, then it's reversed. It's this young guy advising this old guy, whereas before it was an old guy advising the young guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, is King Arthur known to be Arthur, or is he using a different identity? I think he's known. Now, maybe it's not necessarily believed that he's He had to come to grips with it as well. Yeah. yeah. He's probably still proving himself in certain ways, although he is the true king, but he just has a few followers. I like to think maybe he actually woke up before the apocalypse as well, but it was too late for him to do anything by the time he was able to get everything together. Or maybe he had not found the uh, the sword. Yeah, that's a thought. Maybe he didn't awaken until his quote-unquote host (laughs) pulled Excalibur from the stone again, or maybe Lady of the Lake showed it to him. Do you think Merlin found him and woke him up? I'd say it's fairly probable that if Merlin has been around, that he's probably at least manipulated things so that it happened. Whether he did it directly or not, it's a good question. Um, Okay, well, maybe we should decide this. When Merlin came back, was this a question of a reawakening, or was he he just a different kind of creature altogether and he's always been around? He's always I think he's always around. been around, yeah. Okay. He was always awake. I have this vision of him having a huge room with all these bloodline lineages tracking mm-hmm. all these people across the world. It's kind of like a Highlander type. Sort of, but no, I think he has a has a big Illuminati tree mm-hmm. yeah, where, where he follows the people yeah. across the to the. We had this big map on the wall with yarn all over it, trying to figure out where. The, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Going okay, his relation went to Australia. You know, they were deported to Australia during the time, and now Bedivere is some aborigine in the middle of the outback somewhere. It's interesting because he's trying to trace the passage of the soul, as it were, in addition to tracing the lineage of right. some. And maybe there are rules that say they always seem to come back in these families, but sometimes they pop up elsewhere. And that's part of what he does is track people. That's what he does. Speaking of rules, do these reincarnated people have the memories from their former life? Do they remember everything? Do they remember things in snatches? How much are they themselves, I guess? is. A I don't think until they're woke up, they don't remember any. And then I would say, like, it's piecemeal in that mm-hmm. sense because that's why there's the other characters that are out there that really they have like ghosted images of the past that kind yeah. of like haunt them maybe they wake up in the sweats or something like that and that's okay. th- they're seeing those images so then maybe they once it is awakened they can perhaps access some of the memories but it doesn't change who they are as a person and in many ways they basically are the people they were before I would like to think of it as it's not so much a spirit taking over a host as it's this is who you actually were all along and you're just now starting to remember things from before this doesn't change who you were born as this lifetime right you were born Murray from the Bronx and <laughs> you will always be when Murray you, from the Bronx even though you find out even though you find out that you may be Percival you are still Murray from the Bronx <laughs> <laughs> You must somehow unlock those memories of being Percival. (laughs) And Murray from the Bronx exhibited a lot of behaviors that were consistent with Percival. (laughs) So in that sense, he was always Percival, but now he remembers why. Right. But this in no way erases Murray from the Bronx, if that makes sense. Right. He's always had this little chunk of wood, and he doesn't know why, and it's his little part of the round table. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Actually, I like that as an idea of uh, artifacts. Yeah, oh, definitely. Pieces of the round table. I think there should be, like, pieces of a round table, and they they need to be reunited to kind of, like, strengthen. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. It could be that Morgan has a piece of it that must be gotten back. And then in the south, we have this Egyptian kingdom. Now, I think I'd like to play with the idea of some Egyptian heroes possibly waking up as well. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. So, that said... The strange thing about Egyptian heroes, as far as I recall, is that they're also gods, kind of. And there's a problem with that? No, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's interesting, because we're trying, to, I'm trying to figure out kind of how we do this. Okay, well, do we want to say that the Egyptian empire is ruled by Horus? Or do we want to uh, say that it's ruled by someone else? Do we want to say that, to p- make it an even playing field, uh, are there gods coming back that have been incarnated into particular bodies? Are they using avatars? Are we looking for other Egyptian heroes we want to use? Uh, what, how do we want to play this? I, I mean, I know Osiris was a human that became a god. Yeah. Originally, as I recall. Yeah, he was uh, supposedly human, was torn well, I, apart by Set. I mean, most of the pharaohs, that was the whole idea. They were god kings kind of thing. Since we have one guy who's come back 
trying to make a monotheistic belief, the other deities have now come back in retaliation. So we will have the other gods present. So you'll have Set, Ra... Are they they avatars, essentially? Yes. I I would think they would be avatars. That works for me. They have a certain degree of power, but it's nowhere near to even the playing field. We can say that the avatars have a certain amount of power, but because of the thing that Akhenaten pulled off, they're not necessarily at what would be their full power. They have, say, in human form, just about as much power as someone like Akhenaten has, maybe a little bit more, just to keep things balanced. And And then, of course, if Set came back as well, along with the rest, then you've got... Plenty of possible infighting going on. Mm -hmm. Maybe, now here's a thought, maybe someone like Osiris or Isis or Horus or someone or Ra is going around and like Arthur is trying to find these awakening avatars. Whereas Arthur is going around trying to find the awakened knights Mm -hmm. or find and wake up the knights. Someone on the Egyptian side is trying to do something similar uh, as far as finding hosts for the avatars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that works. There are the four sons of Horus. They represent the Coptic jars. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Maybe they carry around the essences of the deities to install in the proper body or something. Correct. That makes sense. I like to think that on the Egyptian side, it's a little bit different in that maybe it's that they have to find willing hosts. Mm-hmm. So it's not reincarnation in this case. In this case, it's, will you be my avatar? Oh, no. The music video is coming. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> run, run. <laughs> so who do we want to say is... Oh my god, played to the music of, uh, what's his name? Will you be my avatar? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not Bodyguard, but yeah. <laughs> Paul Simon. It's Paul Simon, yeah. Yes. But yeah, yes. will you be my avatar? I'll be your long lost path. Oh. I'll be your uh, long lost god. I was god. actually thinking, <laughs> I'll be your long lost god. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And good. every music lover in the audience has just turned the podcast off. So, so do you always have like a theme song that you come up with for these worlds? No, no this would be a first. This would be the first. Glad that I could be present. So, uh, okay. Uh, who do we want to say is in charge in Egypt? Who's the first to wake up? The first avatar yes. to be. Now, there's a guy. What was this? It's Ta, P-T-A-H. Yeah. The opener of ways. Yep, no, that's a very good one. Okay. I mean, I don't know that he would rule, but he would have been the first. He may have been one of those. We have at least two on the other two sides, so we can have another one. <laughs> so Ta is advising whom? Do we want it to be... He's the god of craft, skills, and the guardian of all knowledge. Ooh. Yeah, actually, that that's perfect. My favorite candidates would be Osiris or Horus, or possibly Isis, if we wanted to go that way. I see Isis out there, but I don't. I see her more of. I think Osiris. He's the die and come back god, right? Yep. Because if he got back together, maybe that's what they did. They found his canoptic jars, and maybe they found the pieces and put them back together, and then he okay. inhabited somebody. I'm good with that. So now that we've got kind of these groups, who again are we bringing back for the Egyptians right now? Who do we have active? Uh, we have Ta, P-T-A-H, okay. and Osiris. And ah, okay. O- Osiris is the ruler right now. Mm-hmm. So Arthur and Merlin searching for knights, Osiris and Ta searching for hosts, Ooh, and this is not Morgan good... Le Fay and Akhenaten are trying to expand their necropoli. Mm-hmm. Poor Morgan Le Fay. So this is... Yes. Because <laughs> the funny thing is, she's not necessarily even dead. She's probably one of the few living people. One of the few living necropolitans. So we've put the seat of the bad guys somewhere in central eastern Europe. Yes. The bad guys are actively trying to expand. Yes? Oh, yeah. Yep. With ravenous aggression. <laughs> what's stopping them from taking Britain and what's up with the rest of... Africa, I guess. Yeah, so there's clearly our defenses in place. So what manner of defenses does each side have? Let's just start with Britain. The British Empire, wherever the, where do we want to say the line is? Now, is it the Isle itself, or do they have territories to the south of that? Do they have, say, oh, yeah. France? Do they have Germany? I think they have mm-hmm. France and Spain. Yep, and I would say. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe, what I, I guess that would be west of the Alps, maybe? Yeah, because you've got then Italy, Switzerland, and Germany are going to be kind of in the crossfire. Right. That's, that's the neutral zone. Yes, the zone where it progressively gets more and more dead as you move east. I'm good with that. So yeah, you've got the Alps. On Britain's side, there will be some force they have to deal with undead. Mm. And... What is it, and how effective is it? Oh, would that have to be like the power of like Merlin's magic? It could be. It could be there are a number of people who have magic. Or yeah, it could and I was going to say maybe he's training are. people to combat the undead. Maybe there are wizards and knights that they are training up. Do we want to say there are orders of knights that are training, and perhaps there is a circle of wizards that's training, something like that? Right, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Something that I remember reading somewhere, or I remember hearing somewhere, was they wanted to train orders of knights by different colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I saw something Gawain. about the Green Knights. Yeah, I remember the story about Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, where the Green Knight comes and basically lets him cut off his head, and then you know a year later he will come back to cut off <laughs> Gawain's head. And then you know it's all good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is interesting in that, in that it indicates a sort of a life beyond death thing without necessarily being undead. Yeah, the Black Knight, of course, might be undead, possibly. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling the Black Knight's on the other side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do we want to go with, like, say there's an order of green knights who have some kind of earth-life powers of some kind, then do something... I could see something like the Order of the Ten Dragon or something like that. And then you have the green knights, which are the ones that are the heal the lands. Then, I mean, you got to have white knights, I guess, if you're going to have a black knight. <laughs> we could. You have to have opposition. A red knight, blue knights, fire and water. <laughs> there we go with elements again. Uh, Damn, it. Damn it. We do love the elements. The Topaz Knights. <laughs> nice. the, the Knights of the Puce. What? Yes, the Puce Knights. <laughs> the Plaid Knights. What is that coming? Oh. No! The Puce! The Plaid Knights are all angry Scots. So let's say there's a Green Knight Order, and those are healer types almost, but they're also, they're knights, but they are healer types. And again, this is in a post-apocalyptic world, so it's not like they're necessarily all running around carrying swords. Some of them could be. They're carrying whatever weapons they can get their hands on. We have the Knights of Pendragon, which are going to be kind of, I guess, his retinue, until he can find the Knights of the Round Table. Well, maybe it's just his, yeah, his personal bodyguard, the Order of Pendragon, I think. I think of an order of knights, maybe the Fisher Kings. The Fisher King was the Guardian of the Grey. So maybe they're a guardian group. You know, if ever there was a candidate for white knights, that's it. Yeah. Do we want to say that there is a white knight order that is run by someone calling himself the Fisher King? Yeah. And maybe it's like, they're nominally on the side of the British Empire, but at the same time, you're never quite sure exactly what they're going to (laughs) do. Right. They sometimes have an agenda of their own. Yeah. Agreed. White knights, Fisher King. Good. And Order of Pendragon is obviously going to be, you know, Arthur's going to be in charge of that, I would suspect. And the Green Knights, do we just want to say that the original Green Knight is in charge of the Green Knights? Sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe he came back after he being back. Maybe he is Gawain. Yeah. Gawain comes back and is the leader of the Green Knights now. I can see that. Okay, and then uh, we've also got a circle of wizards of some kind. Do we have Merlin training people, or is or are our wizards I, relatively rare in this world? How does this work? I think he's training people. I think that the Grey Malkins. Ooh, interesting. They're, because the Grey Malkin was his cat. I like the idea, because then, you know what the implication is? That they have a good deal of shape-shifting, maybe, that they can do. <laughs> I was like, that they're all cats? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all wizards are cats. Maybe that's why the Egyptians are willing to talk to them. That's how they do their like espionage work. <laughs> Order of the cats. They Quickly, sneak go in. Into cat form. <laughs> yes, the Egyptians won't kill us if we're cats. They will worship us. They're protected by Basque. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot harm them. I'm good with that. Is just mm-hmm. using that as the name if we want to, at least yep. for now. That sounds uh, good. I like that. The, the Grey Malkins. The, the Wizard's Order is the Grey Malkins. On the Egyptian side. I think there has got to be a cult of set. Yeah, in real life, there's a cult of set. So why break that pattern? I ask yeah, you. Yeah, you, you just gotta keep it the same. So they are looking to wake set up, whether that's a good idea or not. Yeah, set but probably could, hasn't could, been awake. Yet. Right. I can see that there's some sort of maybe the uh, the sons of Horus. Maybe one of them has a piece of him, and so there's this. <laughs> where do we hide it? How do we keep it to away keep from it, to keep it from yeah. being res? Yeah. That's so neat. I'd say that the sons of Horus probably have their own organization as well. Yeah. Yes. Because there's four sons, of, like I said, there were four canoptic jars. Yeah. Each holds their own, and it's the four sons of Horus. Maybe they have people out looking. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I think. Oh, definitely. 
So not only do they have to hide the one piece of set, but they also have to seek out the other deity uh, avatars. Yes. They probably don't have much in the way of their own power, per se. Maybe they have a little bit. Mostly stuff dealing with finding things and hiding things. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that they're nature. generally yeah just humans with their scholars and adventurer kind of Indiana yeah. Jones-ish. Yeah, yeah, archaeologists and uh, stuff like that, which works nicely. This this is where all the scholars let do it. The uh... <laughs> there, there need to be a genealogist there too. I think I think they're all based yeah. out of Alexandria, the there hidden library at Alexandria. Nice. Okay. <laughs> cool. It's still intact, huh? Yeah. We could call them like the Alexandrian Society. Sure. If we wanted to. Yeah. Okay. And then maybe we need to have, just for balance sake, we may need to have like one more power group within the Egyptian framework. Yeah. Well, actually, also, we need to figure out how the Egyptians stand up to... Uh, the forces of the necropolis are kind of up against the forces of the Egyptians. Tefnut is the goddess of moisture clouds and often associated with the moon. And in this day and age, if the earth was just scarred by a whole bunch of fire and, and the waters are receded, the Nile is definitely not all there. They're going okay. to need some water. So are we talking about maybe there's a uh, an order that they kind of do like water and moon magic, that mm-hmm. kind of thing? Yep. They're trying to restore the Nile. Yeah, That's that'd nice. be cool. What was that uh, deity's name again? The name is T-E-F-N-U-T, so Tefnut. Maybe they venerate Tefnut and they do that, but there's a, yeah, that's that's a very interesting thought. So maybe these are people who do some type of lunar magic. What constitutes moon magic, I have no idea, but maybe they do stuff with shadows, and maybe they do stuff with moonlight. Maybe they're more powerful at night. There you go. And maybe they have a certain degree of water magic. I can see them as kind of like, they're almost like priestesses and such. They're kind of almost the, uh, I don't want to say the opposite number of the green knights, but they kind of have a way that they can do things with the land to kind of... Rejuvenate. Try to rejuvenate, and most importantly, try to sort of sideswipe the whole, you know, army of undead thing. That said, I'm assuming both the uh, British Empire and the Egyptian Empire have standing armies. I would hope. Of some kind that they've put together. I mean, again, it's post-apocalyptic, so they've cobbled together who they can. I was going to say, the army looks pretty (laughs) ragtag. I I found an interesting... They have something called an emuti fetish. This is how it's described. is a stuffed, headless skin of a feline or a bull tied to a pole, terminating in a lotus bud. So I'm thinking they have magical boundaries with these things at the edges mm-hmm. of their empire. Oh, okay. So something that this order puts together and right. lays and out. A, so there's a certain thing that uh, maybe... It's a nice little un- barrier. All but the most powerful undead cannot cross. Right. And, like and it's that. associated with Anubis. Um, that works. Maybe they're trying to call on Anubis in that fashion. <laughs> and maybe also the thing that the Sons of Horus are also desperately looking for Anubis right now because they're trying to get him on their side, although he's going to have to be neutral. But they still want to try to bring him around, Right, I think. So That's how- good, yeah. So maybe they have magical barriers mm-hmm. they can use. Also, I mean, one other thing, just simple enough, is that maybe also the Egyptian side knows better how to deal with undead. Well, like and, and, and the, the origin of this undead was originally somebody that was yeah, there. Exactly. Okay, so I think we've got some good stuff here. Do we want to flesh out any more about the Dead Kingdom? I'm thinking like the Dead Kingdom, they're kind of like, they have, have a drive to obtain the canopic jars because they have preserved organs in them. Maybe since they are undead, they're, everything about them is dead and these preserved organs maybe will give them greater power or something to that effect. Well, I mean, are we talking things not unlike liches or uh, something like that, where it's like they've got, it's almost like a phylactery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they after the jars of the other gods as well? Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I would say they are. Absolutely. So is there a specific body that has been put together to try to get these things? Maybe a group of, like, undead... Uh, undead ninjas, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> roguish assassin type <laughs> people or something like that. The zombie ninjas, oh no! <laughs> Beware! I think as far as might goes, I like the idea that maybe they actually have an order of Black Knights run by the Black Knight. They kind of seceded. Gotcha. Like, so each part has lost a piece to the uh, necropolis. Oh, yeah, yes. definitely. So do we want there to be like a group of undead infiltrators, assassins, or something like that? Yeah. I think no, so. Sure, I, I would think that you would, you would have like your Black Knights and then maybe some other kind of specialized undead. I don't know. Maybe like shadow people. 
Ooh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> shadow folk. I'm even thinking about people who have, maybe they've got some ability to go into shadows and come out of mm-hmm. shadows and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's some little bit of magic that's used what? on their behalf. What? A group that does kind of espionage and stuff like that, um, but also, you know, assassins. I um, also want to say that I think Bath has infiltrated the Great Malkin. I can see that. So, for the Dead Kingdom, we have the Black Knights on one hand, we have these shadow people or whatever on on the other hand, and then centrally we have the lieutenants of the rulers, and the lieutenants are all mummies, and they all command legions of zombies. Is there anything else we want to throw in there as far as groups go, or is that good? I have a name for the shadow. Keku. It's the deification of the primordial concept of darkness in Egyptian mythology. That sounds good. How do you spell that? K-E-K-U. The Keiko. Do we like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think there are a few other little points of interest we should probably throw in just to have them. Do we want there to be other kinds of monsters running around, for one thing? I like that idea. Yeah. Sphinxes would be running around. That'd be cool. So we've got Sphinxes. They can play the new game shows that'll be Ask the Sphinx. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, no, but that, actually, that's a very interesting idea. They run these things that are kind of, in some ways, inspired by the like, reality shows. Like a reality show. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Does electricity still work, by the way? If they've got it, I mean, they've got to have a generator or something that... Yeah, we've got, uh, I assume pro- we've got... Probably not. I think everything has been kind of so destroyed that they've got to rebuild that kind of stuff up. They remember the existence of it, but they yeah. don't have the resources to rebuild. Generating it is difficult, pro- yes. probably just on a small scale. Yes. Like, you might have, like, like some batteries still left over. To you might have, like, a have bicycle like, hooked up to a computer or yeah, something. <laughs> flashlights and things like that, maybe. And so we have, uh, so the gasoline is eventually going to run out. Solar yeah. power. <laughs> That's all you got. A lot of solar power. So we probably have that somewhat... Okay. Yeah, I think we haven't really stated how much devastation there was. You yeah, know, or... that's something we kind of need to fill in, I think. I like the idea of there being a ring of post-apocalyptic sphinxes running around and forcing people to play in these games that are kind of like reality shows in a way. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then if they shirk away from it, they get eaten. Yep. If they lose, they get eaten, perhaps. Or perhaps something else happens. And they throw all these riddles into them. Oh, yeah. I like that idea. But yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the devastation. What do we have as far as... We've been talking about land bridges, the sea boiling. What other details do we want to fill in about all this? Probably more deserts have formed, probably. Uh, It's not probably as lush. There's probably like little sparse areas of more tropical areas, but there's definitely Mm. probably more deserts that have been. Okay. Well, I am looking right now at a map of uh, Europe and the Mediterranean. Mm. Where do we want to put a desert? I think that the Mediterranean has shrunk to vary a core line, essentially, across the middle of where it is right now. More like a large river, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's okay. a lot. Has the Baltic Sea dried up then? Probably, well, yeah. If the Mediterranean's okay. a, a large river, then... That means the Baltic Sea is gone, the Black Sea is gone. Well, we're not dealing with Asia. Yeah, we're, yeah, that's that's its entirely different kettle of fish. <laughs> that's just madness over there. Yes. Uh. <laughs> it's crazy over there. You don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, anything related to other areas like Asia and Southern Africa, it's just considered off-limits. It's horribly dangerous. You don't want to go there. <laughs> Terra incognita. There be dragons. We can turn Russia into a huge desert. We could do that. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't take much to really push, especially a lot of the north of it, mm-hmm. into that, I think. Are we doing that across the board? Are we essentially screwing over the Vikings altogether? Or, uh... No, not the well, Vikings. I could, I could see maybe some of the northern areas, maybe Norway and Sweden being British... Oriented. Yeah. yeah, since a lot of the North Sea is probably dried up, too. Right, and I mean, the Vikings took over parts of England in the past. You know. Oh, yeah. Bloodlines went that way, too, you know. So, I mean, that's probably part of the Beowulf connection. So, let's say the British Empire covers some of Norway and Sweden, obviously the UK and Ireland, France, Spain, and Portugal. That could be where the, you know, because farmland would have had to shift it somewhere. If water's not present yeah. down below, then... yeah. So that's a, that's a good idea. So we've got Russia as a desert. Deserts that were there are still there. Or have expanded. Yeah, yeah, definitely, that's, definitely. That's why... I can uh, see uh, you know, the Middle East getting even more desert-like. Mm-hmm. Right. Is the gasoline run out at this point, or is there still some available? It's kind of like Mad Max. You can find yeah. it, but it's... Probably it's very few people still well. have cars. Yeah. yeah. You don't see cars around. 
You might see them, but they're not going anywhere. Yeah, they're not moving. Um, (laughs) How do people get around? Have they gone back to horses, or have they uh, bicycles? A more strict horse or camel. I could see the camels still being used in Egypt. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yes. For Arthurians, they have a more sturdier um, horse. Maybe they've built these strange sort of siege engines on wagons and such that have uh, come out. They'd have to revert back to something, you know, where war machines are drug or, you know, wheeled. Of course, the undead don't really need to rest so much. So, But then again, you could also have undead horses. I think like the Alps. And many of the larger mountain ranges are actually much higher now. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, if sea level's down that low. <laughs> well, but no, there was an upheaval in, in general. Okay, oh. so there's more of a... The spiky bits got spikier. So right. it may not have been just the fact that the water burned off, but the land has risen up, thereby yeah. receding the water. Okay. I think there has to be land sharks. Strange mutated post-apocalyptic land sharks? Yes. <laughs> awesome. Can, can we have land kraken? Land kraken. There you go. That's land if you have land sharks, you got to have land krakens. I think, yes. I think Istanbul has been recolonized as Constantinople. <laughs> I was just going to say, Istanbul is now Constantinople. It's now Constantinople. Thank you to They Might Be Giants. So Istanbul is Constantinople. Uh, it's much smaller. It was devastated, but and it's one of the boundaries, I think. It's okay, probably keeping um, the zombies out of Turkey. Maybe it's a key point somehow. Maybe there's and, a power there that we did. You know. Well, we've been talking about the whole thing with the Fisher King and the Grail. Do we want to put something like that there, or do we want to... Uh, because I know that's... Constantinople was the name that was from Constantine, so it's kind of more... You would think more Western forces come back somehow. Could be where one of the knights are. Right. I was about to say, a lot of those countries in that area were failed crusader kingdoms. They were crusaders that went west. Who found the grail? Was it Percival? It was Percival, wasn't it? Wagner wrote an opera about it. Yeah, I think. Achiever of the Holy Grail, yes. Son of Pelennor. Do we want to play with that, or do we want to say it's something more mysterious? The Grail could be there. We could have a crusade kind of vibe going on there, that it's there, the bad guys suspect it's there, and what are the good guys going to do to keep the bad guys from getting And I, I can actually see that being as like an area where maybe the British Empire and the Egyptian Empire can meet. Right, that's always been I the too. place yeah, where East met West. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is funny because it's actually, it's also a boundary. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like, you have to go around a lot to get there. So it's not like a literal meeting point in between so much these days as it's a joint effort. Right. Mm-hmm. Just the people who can get there who bother to cross the deserts of Russia or go through the Egyptian territory right. around the other way. Interesting. Do we want to define it? Yes. Okay, do we want to say that it is Percival, or do we want to say that it is uh, a guardian of some kind? Do we want to say that it's both? Do we want to say that Percival has become a guardian of some kind? Uh, What are we saying? I think Percival with this guardian is present. They're currently the only two standing against this necropolis onslaught. Okay, well here's the thought. Since we're going the east and west thing, why don't we have the guardian be Isis? Ooh. Cool. Which actually works, having her as a guardian of the Grail, because she has certain symbology that would fit with the Holy Grail as well. Now, any other little tidbits we want to throw in before we start naming stuff? Level of magic. Okay. Do we have devastation magic, or do we have magic that brings... Well, we've already demonstrated we've got pretty good barrier magic. We've got pretty good necromancy. I almost forgot. We need there to be sun magic on the uh, necropolis side. Of course. The dead always need sun. Mm. <laughs> yes. Strange, but... Uh, the dead have to have sun magic. Fire-breathing zombies. Or fire-wielding. <laughs> I like this idea. No. But, I mean, think about it. This is from Akhenaten calling on the sun god. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So... You think about it, in the desert, the sun is not your friend. Oh, no, huh? It's true. And that may be kind of the point, ruling through crushing things. You also have the idea that maybe if these mummies have the sort of powers that one sees in popular literature and such, maybe they can turn into sand and be nearly impossible to kill. Maybe there's an order of priests of Aten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. still, the level of magic, I mean, are we yes. hurling... I don't think we can necessarily have hurling fireballs. Maybe some of the priests of Aten can pull off something almost like that. But it's somewhat uncommon to be Sending seen. waves of heat. Yeah, I'd say it'd yeah. be uncommon. The Green Knights have the ability to do earth magic, so maybe they can move plants around a little bit. And they I, can I would heal. say the general level of magic is probably, we're not talking high magic, medium to low. 
useful magic. Yeah. Yeah. Life-giving, where they can make plants grow from the ground, because, man, there's going to be a lot of people that need to be fed. Yeah. Yes. Not enough water. water. <laughs> yeah. I'd almost say, this is going to sound a little weird, like a uh, Tolkien level of magic, almost, I would yeah, think. I, I would agree. Not, I not so as too. far as races go, but as far as the casting of magic. Because you don't actually see a lot of spells being cast right. in Tolkien, but I'd say something around that level would be good. Mm-hmm. You know, you can create light, you can do things to direct energies in certain ways. It's not used lightly. It's one of those things that's reserved for, this is my last, I have no other means by which to do this, Yeah. so here's this. There's a lot of good exploration of hubris in this as yeah. well. People who want to try to use magic for domination as the dead kingdom does. Yeah, but... it's mostly used out of necessity. Yes, I like okay. that. Good. Very good, okay. Do we want to throw in any other weird post-apocalyptic things, mutants, anything like that? you got to have like giant asps and probably like jackals that things ride and I think there are dragons out there I would think. Maybe there are dragons out there. Few, I would agree. Few have returned to the world. Because, I mean, you've got the Arthurian legends returning. Why not to have right. two dragons? They're probably at opposition with everything. Yeah. They're on their own side. Right. Yep. I, mean, I don't even think that they're more like dinosaurs. They're just there. Big fire-breathing lizards. Big fire-breathing lizards. Yeah. So are they, they're not necessarily intelligent? Well, I'd say they, I could say they could be about as intelligent as the Sphinxes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But not as playful. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> There's no game show with the dragons. Yeah. No, no. no dragon game shows. With the dragon, you've got one game. <laughs> That's how fast can you run. Yeah. Do we think we've got enough? Shall we start naming stuff that needs to be named? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's deal with the kingdoms. We've been using certain names for them, but now we can actually give them official names if we want. The What I've been calling like the dead kingdom, the necropoli, what have you. What do we want to call it, really? I think of the necropolis of something out of there. If it's a necropolis, then that would make it kind of like a city-state more than anything else, because a necropolis is a city. city I think the they should have capitals, actually. Now that I think about it, <laughs> oh, we should probably figure out what the capitals are, actually. Where their seats of power oh, are. Oh, seats of power, yeah. Yeah. In Britain, where do we want Arthur's seat of power to be? You could do uh, Glastonbury, which is where Avalon is supposed to be. Or we could go down to Stonehenge, Salisbury. They're right in that same area, um, but Stonehenge probably ought to fit in there somewhere. And there's always that talk that Merlin built Stonehenge. So, Salisbury? Yeah. Yep. Okay. In the Egyptian Empire, what do we want to say is the seat of power for Osiris? I thought we were doing Alexandria. Well, well Alexandria is where the uh, society uh, of Horus and yeah, the, yep. that is run by the Sons of Horus hangs out. So, or do we um, still it could need... be Alexandria. I mean, that would be fine. So it's probably going to be either Alexandria or Cairo. I think um, Cairo, because that's where the pyramids are. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're close to it. Closer than Alexandria, I think. Yeah, Alexandria's up on the... Did, did Cairo make it through the blast, I guess, is the question. <laughs> Some of it, I'm sure. Shall we say Cairo? Yeah. yeah sure. Okay. Now, seat of power for the Dead Kingdom. Do well, we want to actually put them in Transylvania, just for the <laughs> irony of it? <laughs> sure. Romania? Maybe there are, like, vampiric cults and stuff around there. There are no actual vampires, but... Uh, the Carpathian? Carpathia. We play with Carpathia. Yeah, sure. Like I said, if anyone has any uh, any better ideas, feel free to throw them out here. I'm just... Uh, no, no, that's, these are good. Carpathia. Okay, what do we want to call the Dead Kingdom? Should we just call it the Dead Kingdom, or do we have a name for it that we want to use here? We could just call them the Buried. The Buried Lands? The Buried Lands is oh, good. There you go, yeah. Are you good with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. Okay, ruled by King Akhenaten and his consort, Morgan Le Fay. The British Kingdom, what do we want to call it? Whatever, Arthur's Kingdom. Britannia? Britannia, yeah. Yeah. Britannia. There was another name for the British Kingdom. It started with an A. Albion. Albion. Ah, yes. That works. Yeah. Albion works. Oh, that works. Albion is the oldest known name for Great Britain. So what about the Egyptian Kingdom? What do we want to call it? I mean, you know what? They they could just call it Egypt. Maybe they just call it Egypt. There's the, an idea. The whole place. Egypt. The whole okay. place. That would probably be the simplest and most logical. So that one we'll just call the Egyptian Empire? Or you could just call it the Egyptian Union or the Egyptian Supremacy. The Supremacy I like. Okay. So the Egyptian Supremacy? Ego much? We are talking about gods here. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Sounds good. Okay, the Order of the Green Knights. Should they just be called the Order of the Green Knights? Yep. uh, yeah, okay. I think that they're trying to maintain their foot in the old ways, so they are sticking to the nomenclature. The Knights of Pendragon, just but, call them the Knights of Pendragon? Yep, they're the direct guardians of uh, Arthur. 
But the Green Knights are more or less for the people and helping the people raise crops, survive, that sort of thing. The freelancers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. But, I mean, they are overseen by Gawain, essentially, <laughs> who has become the Green Knight. Okay, the White Knights, overseen by a mysterious figure calling himself the Fisher King. What do we want to call that? Do we want to call it the White Knights, or what, what do we... I'm fine with them having the White Knights. Yeah, I like um, the color theme. I'd like to see them fill a, a role so that they're just not knights roaming around or doing whatever. That's you know? true. We said that they do something. I'm trying to think what there's it was. There was the Holy Grail. The, there was the Holy Grail angle, and they were protectors. I was kind of thinking of them as kind of like paladin types, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that was my kind of idea of them, too, that they were like, almost kind of like the healer, healing knights or something like that. Well, well the Green Knights the are healing the, knights, but... Uh, spreading the word of the church, then, or whatever be. religion... Or whatever, they yeah. whatever the religion is these days. The Arthurian um, religion. <laughs> there you go. The, uh, rearing the tale of Arthur, you know, and how he's come could, back. It's kind of like the White Knights are, in a way, they're kind of bards, I guess. There you go. Ooh. Yeah, bardic knights. Maybe their job is morale. There you go. I think that they're paladins. Spirit yeah. Of well, yeah, and I like the idea of them being sort of more paladin-like, so maybe they actually try to wear armor and such, and follow the code of chivalry mm-hmm. as best they can. Tale-telling is also part of what they do. Mm-hmm. And again, keep in mind, this is post-apocalyptic, so they're not going to be that polished. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They'll get as polished as they can, but that's why I think it's appropriate that they're led by someone calling himself the Fisher, the Fisher King. King. yeah. Which, actually, I, I like the idea of just not knowing who that is. Do we just call them the Order of the White Knights? Yep. All right. The Grey Malkins. I think we just we decided they'd be called the Grey Malkins. Do we want to call mm-hmm. them Order of, or just... I like the Grey Malkins. I, I, I like it plain as... Yeah, the Grey Malkins, mm-hmm. just okay. as is. Okay. The Cult of Set. Are they just the Cult of Set, or do they oh, have yeah. a fancy name? Oh, no. That's that, the Cult that's of Set. That's as fancy as they get. The yep. Cult of Set, okay. Mm-hmm. The uh, group controlled by the Sons of Horus, I think we said we were going to call them the Alexandrian Society. Mm-hmm. Do we want to go with that? Yeah, that works for me. The Order of Tefnut, the people who do moon magic or lunar magic, people mm-hmm. who sort of venerate Tefnut. What do we want to call them? How about Lunar Bastions or Bastions of the Lunar? Uh, bastions of the Lunar Cycle. Or well, how about we call them the Lunar Circle? Ooh. Yeah. Yep, I'm good with that. The uh, Shadow People are called the Keku. We have the priests of Aten. Do we just want to call them the priests of Aten, or do they have a separate order name? Yeah, I don't think that they're that complex. I think they can have, like, a nickname, the Flame Priests or something like that, or the Flame... Ooh, yes. Yeah. The Solar uh, Priests. Yeah, yeah the, the Solar, solar priests. priests. Yeah, there you go. And then the Priests, priests of the, the Sun, flame. or... Because their official name are the... What I'm saying is the common tongue. They, uh, The people that, I guess, live in the area that aren't undead, because I'm assuming there's people that live there but aren't undead, or are they all undead? I'd say probably that the only ones who are still alive are the ones that have bowed down to them. They probably keep some people alive because they want fodder for the future. So I think only within the necropolis they'd have their title, but then everyone else would call them this other name, the Solar Priest. Because it, it brings about, you know, fire and, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's the solar priest, you know. Little do they know that they have their own specific order in the necropolis. Yeah. That, and actually, so- that, and that sounds kind of post-apocalyptic, too, so <laughs> that uh, that works. Do we want a name for the games that the Sphinxes make people play? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's usually riddles. Or it's most commonly riddles. Well, riddles are going to be involved in them heavily, but they also make them act out things like Big Brother and such like that. <laughs> yes. But if we don't have electricity, how are people watching this on television? Oh, they're not. It's kind of probably a, in arenas and such. Uh, the it's, Sphinx comes down and lands next to you, and yeah. so today's contestant. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the Sphinxes are watching. Like, That's about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> there are events occasionally. Maybe there are little areas sort of ruled by Sphinxes where it's... Uh, Sort of <laughs> it could the, be rid- the riddled lands. <laughs> yeah, it could be in a coliseum. I mean, that's it. Maybe they flew up and they took over Rome, or they control the passes through the mountains. Yeah, they might. Yeah, so we want to call the passages called the riddled lands. That's neat. the riddled lands. I like that actually. <laughs> it almost sounds like riddling. I know it yeah. does. <laughs> the riddled lands is where you take your riddling. Yes. What do we call the games, or do we just call them the games? Your knowledge or your life, something like that. Your knowledge or your life. <laughs> How about just the, the Sphinx's Wrath? Okay. Okay. Or do we just shorten it to the Wrath? The How about the Games of Wrath? The Games of Wrath. There you go. There you go. I like that. Okay. What do we want to call the event that caused the apocalypse? 
the scalding or something like that. The burning. Mm. The burning. Well, it's, it's got to have the dude's name in it, too. Or it could be Otten's Breath. There we go. Yeah, yes. I think so. Good job. Otten's Breath coated the world in fire. Yes. They could call it there the coming we... of Otten's Breath. <laughs> so, the last question. Name of the setting. Yes. Maybe something with a phoenix, maybe? Because the phoenixes, you know, are reborn from the ashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing rising out of the ashes is good. Legends after the burn. Um, <laughs> or legends of the burn. Albion restored. Oh, there you go, yeah. We could, because we've called that one land Albion. Yeah. Mm. If everyone likes Albion, then I think we should do that. Um, oh, okay. The ashes of Albion. There you go. There you go. Okay. How does that sound? Yeah, that that works. Okay, so the Ashes of Albion, there it is. And we will hopefully get this entered into the wiki. This setting, uh, as with anything, is going to be available under the Creative Commons license, the most open possible of the Creative Commons licenses. So if you would like to use this setting in your writing or your gaming, feel free. Just remember to credit the podcast. Eric, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Eric. Absolutely my pleasure, Mm -hmm. sir. Very cool. uh, It was great having you. And again, individually, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm at jim at crucibleofrealms.com. I'm john at crucibleofrealms.com. And I'm the mad gamer at crucibleofrealms.com. We are out. Yay! Yay! Finito! Finito! Thank you for listening to Crucible of Realms. Do you have comments or a question? Have you used one of our settings? Tell us about it. You can contact us at podcast at crucibleofrealms.com or leave a review for us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Or if you'd like to contact one of the hosts individually, you can find our emails on the website at crucibleofrealms.com. From there, you can check out the wiki with all the settings we've created so far. Those settings and this podcast are released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. The opening and closing theme was composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. <laughs>